the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour three, my favorite hour every Tuesday. Get my good buddy Hugh Hallman in studio with me, former mayor. And I should add, I mean, it's true, former mayor and city councilman in Tempe, uh, educator, attorney, um, man about town. Mayor do well. Running partner. Uh, Not recently. Well, yeah, pretty recently. Uh, Hugh, what's on your mind today? What ails you? Well, I thought uh, we ought to touch on um, my favorite subject whenever I'm on this show is your monologue from the first hour. Just briefly, because it really brings to air the, the transition, the arc of the politics of the Biden White House. Remember that as he's running, he is the antidote to everything that's been ailing us, the divisions among us the challenges between left and right, and he argues that he is going to now bring normalcy to our country and heal the divisions. In fact, his his uh, address uh, at the inauguration was that message, and it didn't take but a month or so for him to diverge from that, and now here we are uh, more than halfway through his tenure, more or less, and it is amazing how divisive this White House is and how far off track they've gone toward the hard far left. They clearly are being driven there by the social media elites of the left that are driving everything. And we see how that's impacted our society. Well, your your um, monologue really touches on that. And I would commend it to folks' attention because it's using as that moment, the the greatest demonstration, the recent um, Pride Month celebration at the White House, it just took place, and the fact that Rose Montoya, a transgender woman, um, ended up exposing herself at the White House with what we would say are fairly impressive monuments to uh, the art of plastic surgery. And it's hard to miss it on the Internet what is fascinating to me is how this looks almost identical in how it's playing out to what the Dodgers did to themselves, the self-immolation of the Dodgers, by engaging in social engineering and gamesmanship with respect, again, to a pride event and turning it into a complete circus by deciding to award uh, or provide an award to the sisters of perpetual crazy, as perpetual crazy. Yes. That's right. And so it is those extremes. We even as conservatives, me being somewhat libertarian, can say I can respect and, and, and acknowledge that there are people uncomfortable in their skin. Let's just take that as a given. We know that sexual orientation was a challenge for the conservative movement for years, but I think most people have come to recognize that government involvement and official denigration of individuals using that power means that that same power can be used against other people whom we more easily respect. That's a problem, and we've discussed that, that my foundation in the Reagan administration was, uh, at least in the campaign, was discomfort with using social issues 
as a lever in our campaign because it would mean that we would stamp the imprimatur of the use of government power to advance those causes, which means when somebody else is in charge, we have given permission to use government power to advance social issues. And now we see the result of that. So I don't mind 30 years late being deemed to be uh, a, uh, a prophet uh, who's disregarded in his own land. And in this, you know, called a rhino because I believed we shouldn't advance social issues using government power. And now we are facing exactly that from the left. And they have been relentless in its use. And now we have the White House engaging, I would argue, specifically because we have Kamala Harris as the vice president, to such an extreme that the the uh, greatest source of executive power on this planet uh, demonstrated a, a lack of judgment in even suggesting that people could behave this way on the grounds of the White House. And what we're talking about is somebody who's who's revealed her breasts openly and and was not alone, by the way, and was not alone. And the interesting thing, why I say it's fascinating to watch, because uh, ten hours ago, had you Googled this issue, you'd have only seen the fact that it occurred. Now, ten hours later, you see the response including that the White House, although anonymously, has distanced itself, the, the administration has distanced itself from this particular person, Rose Montoya, uh, and said that this person is now banned at the White House. But it's anonymous so that now if the president has to, he can backpedal. That would just be my prediction. So they are playing the usual political games, trying to have it both ways and uh, calm the waters that somehow there's an official uh, denial that this is an acceptable behavior, keeping open the opportunity that if they need to, they can switch course. Uh, cue the music for the Dodgers uh, stadium. So that's that's what I thought your monologue really opens for us all to start following this debate as the left now devours itself one direction and another. Because here Rose Montoya denigrates the right for not celebrating her uh, transition and then the White House distances itself from that activity. Will she now come out and criticize Joe Biden uh, as someone who is a coward? Unlikely. So a lot there. And, and, and that's well all in your monologue. Out. No, well laid out. So the White House hosts this pride event. And interestingly, the president and the first lady – uh, give speeches where they speak of the courage and bravery of all their transgendered guests uh, about five times as much as they did. Uh, what do you got for me? D-Day. Yeah, five times as they did in their speeches, including both Memorial Day and D-Day. So five times happens, more references to courage and bravery you know, of the trans there. Uh, uh, yes, of the people who are on the lawn right. celebrating in a way that is now clearly socially acceptable and does not require much courage. Right. And if you watch the video of what's taking place on the White House lawn where they had this event, you already see that it's a circus. It's all this is not this 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 is not any ordinary delegation of any group in America. This is a flamboyant burlesque show that is taking place and it looks almost as if the guests there have deigned upon themselves to make a mockery of what's going on, at least a mockery of any kind of pomp and circumstance and respect for the fact that it is the South Lawn or the yeah, it was the South Lawn of the White House. So a lot of them stripped down, or at least three that we saw stripped down, and others looked like they might as well have. Um, the Dodgers 
gives decides to give this award to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. We'll call them Sisters of Perpetual Crazy. There's a backlash, so they re-reverse themselves after saying we won't do it. Then they go ahead. So they're there's like a backlash. They decline. They 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 retract the award they're giving to the sisters because of the backlash. But then there's a sur backlash from the Pride community or the LGBTQ community. So they put it back on, and it was a and, and they lost everyone. Um, the White House now has followed that pattern. They made a bad decision to do this in the first place. It offended America. And now some anonymous cowardly distancing is taking place with on White House stationery saying these people will not be invited back. So much for the courage and bravery. You said we understand, of course, some people uncomfortable in their skin. And of course we do. And I don't even want to think about why their rights would in any way, shape or form be abridged in the first place. But what we're talking about here are not people who are uncomfortable in their skin. We're talking about people who are uncomfortable in their clothes. And we're talking about people who also are uncomfortable in their brains. There is a large degree of psychological ill here, a lot of mental health problems going on in a lot of what's going on, which is why there are even divisions in this community now. There's a division between the burlesque and the iconoclasts and those who just want to weaponize uh, their culture against the mainstream culture. And that what we think is about six-tenths of a percent of the population, that literally is of the first type, uncomfortable in their skin and something didn't match right uh, chemically or physically or physiologically. And we have conflated all of that to make a mockery of the whole thing. It's interesting to me. You you have been an employee and you are an employer. You've been in both camps. You have worked for people in politics. You have employed people in politics. You have worked in the media. And one of the first rules, if not the first, when you get that first job in politics, you are told your first job is to keep your boss from getting in trouble, right? Don't do anything that brings a tarnish or a taint to the office, or to your boss. Don't do anything that you would want not want as a headline on the front pages of the newspaper or on a talk radio show or a television show. There is a serious misunderstanding at serious institutional levels about not having that ethic obtain in the first place, whether it's the White House, whether it's Target, whether it's whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's Budweiser, whether it's North Face, and it seems to me that the problem really starts there. I don't know if we have kids making these decisions or idiots, but maybe we can come back on that when we come idiot right back. Idiot kids. It may be idiot kids, maybe children in adult bodies. Hugh Hallman and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hugh Hallman is my guest. Welcome back, Hugh. You um, you had a you had a further thought you wanted to attach to our previous conversation. Well, your your conclusion that we've got adults or children in adult bodies that are now running the White House messaging center among and, so and, many other things, and, and the basketball association and, and corporations yeah, like Target. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to touch on this one example. Mm-hmm. This is um, Ms. Montoya. Mm-hmm. Rose Montoya's defense yeah. of what she right, did. Right, 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 And I think this makes the very point. 
and I quote, Going topless in Washington, D.C. is legal, and I fully support the movement in freeing the nipple, because why is my chest now deemed inappropriate or illegal when I show it off? All you're doing is affirming that I am a woman. All you're doing is saying that trans women are women, because for some reason people like to sexualize women's bodies and say that they are inappropriate, period, unquote. Well, she makes the point. If your whole effort is that you have transitioned to become a woman. We have certain social mores that say that in certain locations, we don't bear our breasts, whether you're a man or a woman, and a woman bearing breasts that are significantly enhanced in this instance um, is going to create a stir. And I think that was the point. But you can't have it both ways, Rose. You can't complain that you're not being treated like a woman and then complain that you are being treated exactly like a woman would be treated if any other woman, biologically female, had stripped off her top to show off her breasts, period. But, well, yes, I'll keep going. I'll return to it. But uh, the, the point I'm going to transition to is this children and adult bodies is not unique to the left. We have it going on in the right as well, that we have far too many people believing that the outrage is what we should be seeking, why they want the hits on social media, they want the clickbait, and they want to be created as human beings in an atmosphere, in, a, in the ethos, that that gives them spirit and existence. Yeah. And that's what's driving our politics mad, yeah. that we as regular people listening to talk radio, thinking about real problems, trying to engage in the world and see life move forward in a positive way, are seeing outrage on both sides. Because now the fun and games is all about the clicks, the outrage and all of the activity. We used to wonder, where is the outrage? And the right answer now is it's everywhere. And that outrage is pretense in order to attract attention. These are truly children and adult bodies throwing temper tantrums in the form of political speech. That's really well put because a part of the thing I was addressing in the monologue, too, and it was wrapped up in the other part of Miss Montoya's statement about just living her truth, is that we now find our own value. We find our own esteem. We define ourselves by our self-expression. It seems to be that we aren't comfortable enough with ourselves. We aren't uh, inherently um, pacified enough to be who we are. We have to express something, and the more outrageous, the better we will feel. It's as if we are op it's as if we are opioidizing opioidizing uh, our self expression. Who can get there the fastest? Who can get there the loudest? Who can get there the most shockingly? And that form of self-expression, to the degree you can ever increase that volume or ever increase that light or shock, is the level to which you will feel better about yourself. Correct. It is creating self right. out of the number of clicks you get, the number of likes you've got, the number of people who follow and you. What it requires to get those numbers has to create is is a is a is a is a vicious cycle because you have to keep upping the ante each time. You it have to be drug abuse stronger than the perfect. next. Right. So this, like drug abuse, is an, is a progressive. Let me say something about that sexualizing her body line, because that's another way she can't have it both ways. Um, do you have it? Oh, do you have that quote with you? I, da, 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 because I want to be I zero intention. I was simply. What, do you have the quote about her sexualizing? Yes. All you're doing oh, yes, is I got it. I got it. All you're doing woman, is saying that yeah. trans women are women because for some reason people like to sexualize women bodies, say they are inappropriate. 
you look at any of her work, any of her uh, of her modeling, you look at what she did at the White House. She sexualized her body. Correct. Entirely. You look at what her entire career is about. It's about sexualizing her body. She's looking. She needs to be looking in the mirror rather at the rest of the society. If that's the problem, that's I agree. Another problem, and and the uh, not to not to add more clicks to her uh, material so that, but it, it's hard to miss now. <laughs> yeah. And I would I would add only one correction. You use the words we are, and I'd say these kinds of people. I don't mean particular trans. None of the, it's about the people who think that they exist only in social media, whose existence depends on the number of clicks and likes they get, and, and that the number of followers they have. And you'll hear this. Listen to conversations now on a daily basis. And you'll hear somebody talk about, well, you know, I tweet and this is how many people who follow, as if that's an indicator of the quality or character of the human being. And what do we call those followers on the biggest of the platforms? We call them friends. Yes. People right. you've never met. Correct. So now our existence depends on a whole host of people who actually don't care very much about you and are uh, spending a few moments of their day because they're bored and want to take a look at what crazy is going on. And we keep feeding it, uh, or I should say, some people keep feeding that. And it is a beast that's taking us in the wrong direction for a society that is dependent on having an educated, thoughtful electorate making decisions because this is one of the few countries in human history, one of the few organizational structures in human history where that power has been devolved to our hands when we go into that voting booth. And as we get drawn further and further to these extremes and excited by this crazy activity, it causes people like you and me occasionally to get a little morose because we fear the loss of this. Uh, we were raised on the Federalist Papers and the writings of, of people who created this. Were they perfect? No, we've often admitted. Those who insist that 1619 is the founding of the country fail to understand the struggles of humanity and that we, the founders of this country struggled with even that debate. And there was such a big split that we ended up with a compromise. That's why Abraham Lincoln himself, in his speech at Gettysburg, is not referring to the founding of this country as the compromise in the Constitution that gave rise to the Civil War he was bemoaning. It was the Declaration of Independence. Now, it did say all men are created we equal, but we have come to understand that at the time that meant everybody. And that the, the use of a genderized word and uh, we individual yeah. pronouns right. were not intended to be exclusive. Right. Right. We weren't obsessed with pronouns in those days the way we are. You know, I was thinking about someone once said that on social media, that's who you aren't. Particularly true of Facebook, more so probably than Twitter. But in both cases, you, you that phenomenon you described exists, uh, ex exists in profusion to the point where you're not only trying to get – uh, you're not only trying to get as many clicks or follows or thumbs up or approvals as 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 you possibly can. Uh, you're trying to go viral. You will even ask people, artificially ask people, can you go there and like this and help spread it around? Because this is how you have now become uh, yourself. This is how you are now defining yourself. It's who you aren't. And That's I just think of a different – huh? That's why it's called fake book. Well, I was just thinking of a different a – different time when the notion of how we tried to better ourselves, when the idea of bettering ourselves, there was a thought, at least from parents and adults, that for a child to better himself, he has to have a self 
first, and it would be done perhaps through a book or perhaps through athletic activity. I have a break. Let's pick up on this when we come back up. Come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Irving Kristol once said, if you believe in self-government, you have to have selves worthy of governing. And I was just thinking about that thought. Hugh Hallman, my guest in studio, and I were discussing about the notion of having something to share, having something share-worthy, having something of value to put into uh, either the atmosphere or the world or even social media. When we were younger, and I think it's probably true of, of all three age groups here between you, Hugh, me, and David, which are separated by, by a few different categories of, of, uh, of age. If you... If you grew up in a in a fairly normal environment, the idea of bettering yourself was not not to express and and, and disseminate vulgarity and profanity and 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 express as loudly as you can your your nothingness, your inner nothingness, based on no 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 qualities at all. We were taught. To better yourself, you need to read a book. Why am I reading this book? To better yourself, to be a better person. Why are you making me go to soccer practice? Or why do you want me to take PE or run or climb or go on a family vacation where we go camping? To better yourselves. Why do we look at good art? Why do we go to museums? To better yourselves. What's the point of a library? To better yourself. What's the point of educational programming or, or lecture series? To better yourselves. It's about taking in. It's not about putting out. It's about some respect for a level of intelligence or social improvement that's bigger than you that you have a void that needs filling up with. You need to get something of value before you can be someone of value. And it seems to me we've short-circuited all that where we go from zero to what's her name, Montoya, or the Sisters of Perpetual Craziness, they have nothing to offer. They have nothing but self unrestrained self-will actualization Yep, with nothing under it, it nothing, is, it is literally nudity. Self-actualizing yeah. an absence, a void of content, Yeah, and that the content now, its value is only dependent so, on its outrageousness. Yeah, right. And the interesting— And the ability to spark outrage, right. Correct. Right. And, and the— I think this touches on this notion of um, my truth, mm -hmm. and you raise that in your monologue. Yeah. The idea that my truth exists, and somehow we have, as you note in the monologue, 330 million uh, self-truths out there. Um, and what that fails to acknowledge is that there is some notion of right and wrong, that there are through what we refer to as natural law, as one of our founders said, nature and nature's God, that there are some absolute truths, that there are certainties of right and wrong. Can we argue about whether something is murder or uh, uh, exercise of a death penalty? The, the, 
uh, argument about, uh, as Buckley would put it, that uh, two people who push old ladies, you still have to, they, they may indeed be people who push old ladies, but the difference between them is one is pushing an old lady in front of a bus and the other is pushing her out of the way. That those arguments take place because we as human beings can acknowledge that there are gradations here and those are important uh, in determinations in whether something is good or bad. But there are certain measures of what is good and what is bad that we try to tease out, or we used to. And now instead, it's whatever I feel is good. If it feels good, do it. And that 60s mantra has been brought to an extreme by people who have no understanding or concern of the unintended consequences because children are watching. And we have now gone through generations of teaching children increasing amounts of this outrage. Uh, Lewis, who uh, was joined us for a while uh, on this very show uh, during COVID, and I were discussing last night, and he said, you know, at some point, notwithstanding his libertarianism, he thinks perhaps we ought to stop allowing advertising directed at people under age 18. Mm-hmm. And my response was maybe we should make it illegal for people under 18 to engage in social media. That might at least keep them from being contaminated by this craziness. (laughs) And I would also want a standard of danger to self and others for adults, too, involuntary taking away their social media. It's not just a youth problem, but it's a good start. Cognizant of the break in this segment, as I am, I want to come back on the My Truth thing with one additional point on it. And then I know we had a few other things we wanted to do, too. Hugh Hallman, former mayor, former city councilman, current attorney, educator, and my guest here almost every third hour of almost every Tuesday. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Hugh Hallman, my in-studio guest. One last thing uh, you had me thinking about, Hugh, and what you were saying about the use of my truth. Um, certainly someone who has bettered themselves through, I guess one might say, traditional recourse, traditional sources, uh, respect of wisdom, a little bit of willingness to learn, a little bit of willingness to take in the culture as it exists, a little bit of willingness to appreciate fine fine art and gifted thought and speech. People who, who, who use the word my truth are admitting that they cannot live with the truth. They cannot be. You were talking about people who are uncomfortable in their skin. These are people who are uncomfortable with the world as it is. They are uncomfortable with fact. And they, as you were talking about, use their feelings to replace thought or reason. Their feelings become the most important things. And so you have a professor of computer science at Yale who sees it as his job to teach and train students. And he's a broadly educated and educating man who teaches his students a lot, a lot more than computer science in his computer science department. And you have another PhD from University of Michigan who lives somewhere in a hut, and his feeling is that professors like the one at Yale can't live, shouldn't live, based on his feeling. It's his feeling. And he sends him a mail bomb, and he blows up the face and hand of someone we know pretty well here, David Galerter. And the man who did it was known as the Unabomber, killed four other people, 
damaged a lot. He's probably FBI most wanted for years. Just died last week. But that's the unrestrained human will, arguing in his manifesto his truth. That's what it can lead to. It can lead to that because we have now elevated feelings over reason and rational thought. And who's to say whose feelings are better than anyone else's? They're just your feelings after all. So we have taken the facts of the world, the facts of existence. We have taken uh, the facts of math, science, you name it, and life and nature and put them in the hands of, yes, if everyone wants to talk about their truth, 330 million different definitions where no one's is better than any other. Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, uh, was at a was at a was at a college about a year ago, where a college student lectured her with nothing but sheer false propaganda about stories from the Middle East, and Kamala Harris knew it was rot. She actually knew it was wrong, throughout from beginning to end, and she said, "I think it was really important that you shared your truth with us today." Well, no, it wasn't important. In fact, it was a bad idea, and. The teachable moment from Kamala Harris, who might have possibly been the first adult that ever talked to this child, could have done something about it, but instead surrendered to it and made it worse by empowering this person to go on with her truth, which is world lies. Anyway, just a thought. You and I were taken by this David Galerner op-ed from a couple years ago. You liked it. Ten things they didn't tell you at freshman orientation. You like that. Yes, and and I'd also recommend it to others. It's a Wall Street Journal piece, but... To build on your point about this notion of my truth, I would argue, and I think correctly, that there are universal truths that exist in this world. Are there people who are having difficulty with the current existence of the world and argue against it that I would agree with? Certainly. Rosa Parks is an example of that. So I I don't mean to uh, attack the point uh, except specifically to say there are truths that we recognize that it does take courage to provide an example and change the world when the world is behaving badly. The people who uh, were involved in the Stonewall riots that you mentioned in your monologue, and that was where the New York police were fairly aggressively attacking uh, gay men primarily. And that that was the beginning of trying to give voice to the fact that there are some people uncomfortable with the current construct and that we can acknowledge that is something that took courage to fight against. But it does not take courage to show up to a Pride Month event at the White House when that is now de rigueur, that it is no longer a a source in this country, at least, of risk to demonstrate one's sexual orientation in a way that even includes so much flamboyance that it's now controversial on the Internet that somebody would bear their breasts at the White House. Those universal truths exist. And the use of phrases to denote um, that somebody is participating in an event as heroic, as courageous, as bravery undermines the value of that language because it was just a week ago that we were talking about D-Day, the D-Day that most of us know of, that is the invasion of northern France at Normandy, and that we had uh, mostly men 
landing on beaches at extraordinary risk to themselves. There was not an event at the White House. And not for themselves. uh, Correct. Precisely for others. And that those young men and some women were standing up for universal principles that what Nazi Germany was doing was wrong and needed to be stopped and that they would put their own lives at stake to do that again, not for themselves, but for complete strangers. That's courage. That's bravery. That's heroic. And to denigrate that notion by implication when you take a Memorial Day proclamation or a D-Day proclamation and do light work of it and save the greatest value of the meaning of those words for people dancing on the White House lawn, celebrating truly a victory, that is to say that they had arrived at a point in time where that could be accepted. But it was no more brave to be there at the White House with that celebration than it was brave to be in New York Square, Times Square in New York, celebrating the victory in World War II. That didn't take courage. What took courage was invading France from Normandy at risk of one's life. That's the difference, Mr. President, that celebrating the change in our society is not courageous. It is those people like Rosa Parks who took the risk themselves to make the change in society who should be celebrated. And I will tell you, one of the greatest memorials to Rosa Parks I've ever seen is in Dallas, Texas. What is it? There is a seat on every city bus that has the name Rosa Parks emblazoned on it in the front. I love that. I love that. I want to conclude on a thought about that, if I might, just cognizant of the break as I am. But I will say, for once, using the, (laughs) I know, (laughs) you'd think I haven't been doing this for a few years. (laughs) Let's take the break. Hugh and I will have a concluding thought. We'll be right back. When you think about all the other problems we have, we still have the economy, don't we? With a possible recession, inflation that's far more than transitory. Bank failures, stock market volatility. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. And Y-Refi is headquartered here locally, based here locally. I, as they, encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there plenty of times, and I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. A due diligence-approved firm, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return with Y-Refi. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. Hugh, thanks for being here and giving us so much to think about. Your example of Rosa Parks is a great one, and I'm glad you brought it up in the previous segment, because This is perhaps the best definition of the distinction between my truth and the truth. The reason Rosa Parks was a hero and not 
the racists or segregationists whose feelings were merely feelings that were anti-black. Their truth was that a black person was less or entitled to less things than a white person. The reason Martin Luther King was right and Lester Maddox was wrong is because Lester Maddox was as the racists or the segregationists who thought blacks were entitled to less things because or less rights because they were less human is because they violated the very first principle that you first spoke of where we learn about the truth in the founding of our country. The reason Martin Luther King knew he was right to break civil ordinances was because it was to him a self-evident truth that all men were created equal, and not Lester Maddox's truth, and not George Wallace's truth, and not Bull Connor's truth. And if you want to go to understand, if you want an understanding of the difference between my truth and the truth, you could do little better than starting with Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail where he explains this all. And if you want to get an understanding or an appreciation of the difference between what we stand for and what, let us say, Nazis and communists stand for, then it's an understanding of the difference of invasions. We use the word invasion when talking about D-Day. But there is a distinct difference between us invading Normandy and the Nazis having invaded Normandy before us. It's not the same thing. There is a truth. There is a right. There is a wrong. And thanks for helping us get through it today, Q. Pleasure and an honor. I'm Seth Liebson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.